Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. How's everybody doing today? By the way, offering, there's a, uh, it's a box, right? There's a box in the back. That's where you put it. Um, we don't pass bags or whatever else we pass right now. I'd like to welcome everyone online. We've got an increasing audience online. We love you. Love you to be a part of this community. We're working on how to figure out to make that a church that's online now. They're from all over the world and just bless them. But here we are. This is so great. What a good crowd today. Good to have you all back. And uh, this is possibly one of the most historic weeks of uh, maybe our lives. I don't know. I do believe that what happens this week, if, if we find out what happens this week, what happens this week yeah, will be talked about 100 years from now if, if the Lord doesn't come back. So it's significant. It's important. I hope you all voted very important that you vote. A lot of the world does not have that power to vote and determine. We, we need to, it's a thankfulness to God when you vote that we have liberty. Trust me, you could be in a nation where that, that you'd be fighting for that right to be able to do that. And so do that, pray, and then let's see what happens. It's going to be interesting to see next Sunday who's happy and who's not. <laughs> what, what happened to politics all of a sudden where... An election determines our mood. I mean, I get for a while, you're like, oh, I wish my guy would have won or the lady would have won that I wanted or whatever. But I mean, for months, for weeks, what's going on? As followers of Jesus, this should not be so. (laughs) Really, I mean, I've been disappointed a lot of times. Not everyone I voted for became president. You know, and you're like, oh, well, you know, but then you're like, well, God's in control. Now you vote, you do what you can, but ultimately, let's, let's, Let's practice saying that together. God is in control. Ready? God is in control. Now let's do this one. I am not. Ready? I am not. Actually, it's a relief. You wouldn't want me in control. God's in control. And God is steadfast. God is faithful. God is immovable. Mountains will shake, but the word of the Lord stands firm. See, there are things, this is like the big unknown in Christianity. I don't know why we don't talk about this more. You can absolutely lock onto something that will not change. And even though you're down here being swirled back and forth in the world, all the stuff going on, you are clinging to the vine of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall not be moved. Your physical body may be moved, but inside in the core of your soul, you are immovable because of the kingdom of God, because of Jesus Christ in you, which is your hope of glory. Did you know Tuesday, no matter who wins, you can win. 
And yet, you know, maybe there's a candidate that's going to take us in a totally different direction. I definitely feel like we're at a fork in the road. And, you know, we have the, we have the ability to shape where our nation's going to go. But here's the deal. And I heard someone the other day say there's no way that you can be a Christian and belong to a certain party, you know. And I just thought, I don't know if that's true. Because I know Christians that are part of both parties. I know how deeply this is entrenched, and I know I'm going to get hardly any amens today. I didn't up in Middleburg, and I won't here. But we've got to get over this. We've got to realize, yes, we have, if people were as passionate about Jesus and evangelism as they are about Biden and Trump, there's not a lot of passion right now. <laughs> I mean... I saw the other day, I was driving somewhere here in the country the other day, and you know, and I come up across, you know, there's Trump and Biden signs all over the place, you know, and, and uh, you can kind of get a feel for the neighborhood, you know, just by seeing what signage is out there. We, come, we go by one guy's house, and there's like, there's like a Trump sign, like every five feet, Trump, 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 Trump. I think I know what he's, who he's going to vote for, you know, Trump, Trump, right up to what looks to be like the border of his neighbor's yard. And then right after that, every five feet is Biden, 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 Biden. <laughs> I thought, one of the dynamic of that was did they start off with one sign, and all of a sudden it was two. Oh, yeah, I can get two also. I'm going to raise you one. And I mean, do they talk with one another? You know, is there any conversations? I mean, this is America right now. It hasn't always been that way. You know, you may have voted for. for Shoot, who did Kennedy run against? I don't even remember. Did he run against, oh yeah, he ran against Nixon, that's right. Ran against Nixon and lost. He, Nixon had been vice president and lost, you know. I, I was too young to vote, but you know, it, I, I don't remember that in our household. My, my father was dynamically political. You know, but the, the old well lasted about an hour or so. He'd be, you know, well, you know, I don't know what's going on. There was no discussion of, corruption and voting and all that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it just was assumed that this is going to work out. Now, I'm not saying you don't stand against those things and if there's corruption, we need to deal with it. But we, get so, we are so consumed with it. Now, if we were that consumed by Jesus Christ, we would win this nation within one decade. You don't have to put a Jesus sign up front. Be the Jesus sign. Be a sign and wonder from heaven. But meditate. You know, there, there's a nuance. During the conference, nuance got butchered up a little bit by one of the speakers, and I understand what they were saying, but things are nuanced. I mean, there, is, there are things that, for instance, England. If you've ever been to England, I've been there. This sounds outrageous, but I've been there over 50 times to England in the past 25 years. So I kind of know it. I guess I've spent probably a year's worth of trips to England. And all over England, UK, I mean, I've been up to Scotland, Wales, Ireland, all of it. And I, I, I get the culture, I actually like the culture over there. They're like cousins, you know. But they speak a different language. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's Winston Churchill said that we're two nations separated by a common language. Because the way they say things is different. Of course, they, they, they kind of win because it was their language first. And then we kind of adopted it and shifted. But what I got out of this was is that 
you can have two groups that are very similar and believe very similar things. And there's probably no other country that is similar to us. Maybe Canada would be number, number two. England and Canada are tied. Where you can go and feel at ease in the culture. It'll be a little different. It'll be different food that you'll be eating. You know, uh, might be eating some bangers and uh, mash or something like that. You know, you might get some curry, and, you know, which is like the number one food in England right now. And, you know, you, you'll experience the culture and you'll meet with the people and you'll debate with them about politics. Two, two different times that Cindy and I were there, we were there on July 4th, which is very awkward. I, and you know me, I say outrageous things sometimes, and I just get up in front of a group and say, I'm so glad that we fought that war a couple hundred years ago. <laughs> and they're all like, but two different times they brought us cakes with like sparklers on them and everything, <laughs> honoring their American cousins, you know. So I wrote it down because take this, I've got my verse here I'm going to get to in just a moment. We'll kind of wrap this together. But uh, this... Um, we have different cultures within a church and it's got to be okay. I'm not talking about differences in absolutes. I'm talking about differences in mores or cultures within churches. You know, you go to some churches and they are banner-waving churches. You know, they got 50 people. They've got a group of banner wavers and they get it all coordinated together. It doesn't look anything like that. I don't know why I'm doing that. But anyway, he's got, got him, you know, I've been hit and head by those banners and things like that two weeks ago, I guess. But anyway, you know, they do that. And, and I can't sit there and go, well, they're not Christians. Well, they're banner wavers. It's a culture. We don't have to wave banners. They look at us and go, they wear jeans to church. You know, I mean, there's groups of people that don't like that about churches like ours. You know, but it's just a culture. It's a, it, it doesn't get you to heaven. Skinny jeans will not get you to heaven. <laughs> the way you cut your hair, whether you're adorned with jewels or not, I mean, I'm talking about all the cultures within churches across America. Yeah. And so you can go, that's why I can go to a Catholic church, and I've been to many of them around the world, and sit there and enjoy the presence of the Lord. And I, I've had people I took on my teams, you know, and they go, oh, this feels so religious and so staid. And I'm thinking the exact opposite. Right. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, you know, look how high the ceiling is and all the adornment of it and the and the look at I mean the stained glass and it's kind of gaudy you know it's like well the stained glass ministered to people in the 12th century they were illiterate they couldn't read so they depicted all the bible stories on the glass where the light would come in and illuminate it do you not think that's prophetic and powerful maybe we should have some in here maybe while Jerry's away to the the next couple days we'll knock a few walls out put some skylights in or something I don't know (laughs) <laughs> so you, you worship in the midst of that. I mean, it's inspiring. It makes you want to worship. Incense is very powerful. It smelled like, I don't know, something, uh, frankincense or something like that. I'm so glad we don't do that at our church. And I'm there. I tell Cindy all the time, I, like, you know, I, just, I have this real pro 
propensity and leaning toward the ancient church. You know, I'd love to have more candles, and it's just kind of who I am, you know. And but you know, it just you know, people they they have you know they asthma or something if the candles and it's the wrong flavor and they have to go sit in the lobby. So we don't do candles, you know. I don't know how they survived that medieval times, but you know, probably the buildings are so drafty it didn't matter, you know. But the point is, is that. Can we not navigate these differences, even politically? As we face this next week, I can't wait for next Sunday. I just think it's, I want to feel the dynamic of it, you know. You know, if Trump lost, I want to feel the dynamic. If Biden loses, I want to feel that dynamic. Because can we, I get, again, I want to say this, I get, you got an hour or so where you're like, shoot, I thought we really had the, you know, and it seemed like that state was going to go in that direction. You know, maybe you have that, but then all of a sudden you go, thank God that Jesus is in control. Really? Now that is an absolute. And so I've taught on this many times. It's in that book I wrote, Make Your Prophetic Life Map, you know. But, you know, sociologically, we learn about absolutes, cultural norms, and personal preferences. So much of our life is personal preference, especially nowadays. And if someone else doesn't do it the way we do it, then, then they don't believe the way I believe. It's a personal preference. And you can argue, I mean, even right now, as people are watching this or listening here, you go, yeah, but, you know, and you, I mean, you've got, the, you've got that argument ready to go. Stir it up inside. I'm telling you, that is not gonna serve you well long-term. Long-term, you need to skip over the personal preferences. You can have them. I don't judge you because you don't have skinny jeans on. The cultural norms, whatever that is, if you come to my house and you eat dinner and you burp, it's like, all right, that's cool. Cultural norms say you don't do that. You'll get embarrassed. It's a shameful thing, you know, but hey, you're in my house. Sure, fine. Cindy's in the other room. Won't matter. <laughs> well, why does it not matter? It doesn't matter because we hold on to something that is greater and there's a contrast that is meant to come into the Church of America that does not say Trump on it or Biden on it. <laughs> See, that's the part where it gets really quiet. That contrast is, is that you stand out because of what you believe in irrefutable truths from the Word of God. You don't stand out because you're weird or because you're angry. Well, you do, but you don't want to stand out that way. Or you're opinionated. Well, I don't care what you believe, this is what I believe. You don't stand out for that. I mean, you want to stand out as a believer, as somebody who endures difficulty, loss, challenge, persecutions of all sorts, and you stand fast in the midst of it. I know that's hard. I mean, I had a seven-year cancer battle. Trust me. It was in my head all the time. I had to fight it every time. Every time I'd talk about healing, when i get up and preach, and things like that, the devil would pop that I was going to say that VH, but it's not, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not a VHS. It's a, he just popped that up in a stream that pulled it out of the cloud into my mind, you know, and he, he said, Yo, you're preaching about healing. You can't even heal yourself. Oh, that sounds like something someone said to Jesus. Physician, heal thyself. And so I had that constant battle because it's what I do and what we speak of. So I had to reach a little higher than just personal preference and even cultural norms 
and the things people think. I mean, I want to tell you, there's a lot of Christians that think weird things theologically. I don't want to talk about them publicly because you might be one of them, but there's a lot of weird <laughs> stuff out there that people say, oh, that's what it is to be a Christian. You know that the number one thing, the number one thing that illustrates that you're a believer? Love. Love. Love covers a multitude of stupid ideas. <laughs> Love covers a multitude of strong opinions. Love covers a multitude of anger and frustration. I mean, you learn just to kind of, I mean, honestly, Christians who walk around, most stumbling blocks in life are steppable. You come to it and you can go, hold on a second. All right. Good. Well, we got over that. Or they're very small and you can just come along and go, get it out of the way. But I am not going to stop and not going to stop believing what I know to be true and irrefutable truth that there is a God who loves us and regardless of what happens on Tuesday, he will not change. <laughs> Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I think that was plenty of time on that right there. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to talk about these scriptures have been running through my head. The contrast. I, I, contrast is in my mind right now. The contrast between light and dark. You know, if I had my phone up here, I can turn on a little flashlight. So handy. And uh, if I shine it in a bright room, you hardly notice it. The darker it gets, the more important that light is. And the darker it's getting right now, it's more important for you to find your pilot light and to turn up the fuel and get moving. So as we're talking, you know, I meant, I meant to, let me just read this real quick because I think it's kind of funny. It, um, between the Americans and the British, it illustrates the differences between people who have common understanding can be very different. So in England and all my trips over there, we started writing down different things they say different. Like we say the hood of a car, you know, the hood, pop the hood, whatever. They say bonnet. If you want the trunk, which is the back of the car typically, unless you have a Porsche, the trunk is the boot. So you start looking at it and you go through it. Go, the, over there, over here it's Main Street, over there it's High Street. Over here it's a uniform, over there it's a kit. You don't have your kit on. Over here, you're a buddy. Over there, you're a pal. Over here, you're, you have a purse. Over there, you have a bag. Over here, you have pants. Over there, you have trousers. Over here, you have a robe. Over there, you have a dressing gown. Aren't you glad we don't use that one? <laughs> Over here, you have a bathroom. Over there, you have a loo. Skip to the loo. Over here, you have suspenders. Over there, you have braces. Over here, you have a store. Over there, a shop. Over here, a garbage can. Over there, a dustbin. Cindy actually says that. She's Canadian, though. Backyard over here. Garden over there. Apartment over here. Flat over there. This is a really puzzling one. Second floor over here. Over there, it's the first floor. Yeah, if you go up to the second floor, you're on the first floor. They have a ground floor, first floor, second floor, third floor. We call the ground floor first floor. It was very confusing when I first went over there. I'd go up to my 
hotel or bed and breakfast or whatever on the, the second floor, and, and it was the first floor. And so they had to explain it to me, and in my dull brain, it took a while to actually understand that, you know. So you got, you got an elevator, you got a lift, candy store, sweet shop, flashlight, I do like this one, flashlight is a torch. Doesn't it sound more purposeful? I brought the torch. <laughs> we mean some business here tonight. Shopping cart, trolley, stroller, push, car, push chair. Vacation holiday, fries, chips. Indian food, curry. Sweater is a jumper. Good for charismatics, always wear a sweater. Gas, Petro. Windshield, windscreen, yard sale, jumble sale. Band-Aid, plaster. I put a plaster on my, on my wound. How can, this is the tip of the iceberg. How can similar countries that speak the same language be so different? How can Christians who serve the same God be so different? They are. So we learn one another's nuanced language, but there's certain things that identify you as a follower of Jesus Christ, your full commitment to Jesus Christ and his shed blood over your life. So Paul, writing to Timothy, talks about some of these issues. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, let's uh, look at this together. It says, look, look at verse 1 through 15. Actually, you know, let, let's start in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. And then we'll jump to chapter 3 because they, they're somewhat associated here. Second uh, Timothy 2 verse 1 says this, you, you therefore, my son, be strong. Now, I, this, this stood out to me. I can't emphasize this enough. We need to become strong believers. A strong believer is somebody who can, well, he defines it here in a minute, but you can endure stuff. You can, you can thrive under suffering or persecution. And it's possible. We don't know who's going to be elected. We don't know what's going to be happening. We have heard some prophetic words that, that could scare you half to death about what's coming up over the next six, seven, eight years. Worst case scenario, we're going to be moving through very difficult times with some seasons of peace, but again, very difficult times could affect you financially, affect your family, affect you physically, affect you in many different ways. Who would have thought a pandemic, which we've never really experienced in our lifetime at this measure, could affect cultures and nations all across the world at the same time? It's the first time possibly in human history, that the world has experienced something together and knew about it. Even the World War wasn't a world war. It was a three-continent war, really. It's not a world war. It involved a lot of people and had potential of affecting the entire world. But this pandemic has touched every nation on earth. And here we are in this vulnerable time right now. What is a believer supposed to look like? I'll tell you one thing. A believer is to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He does not have a spirit of timidity, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. So there's contrast that emerge. This is a moment for the church to emerge. I believe 2021 is going to be a unique time of connecting us back together as a tribe, 
connecting us back together. In the, I, wanna, I wanna know everyone's gift. I wanna know how we can enhance and build and empower that gift, not so that you can do great things in the church. We need you to do that. We need help here, obviously, in managing hundreds of people into the purposes of God, blessing them, coaching them, helping them, whatever ways. But you're going out all week long, wherever you go, you are going as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you standing out in that environment. Again, not weird, not because you're angry, not because you're haughty or proud or think you know something they don't know, but you go in as a servant with solutions and understanding and innovation. When you do that supernaturally like Joseph did when he knew what Pharaoh needed to do, what Daniel did, what Nehemiah did, what they all did to stand out because they had special knowledge from God that God calls revelation. So we're strong. We're the most intelligent people in the room, not because of this, but because of this. Heart intelligence. Chris Fallatin calls it, I think he calls it SQ, doesn't he? Spiritual quotient. You know, we got IQ, we got EQ. He says we're forgetting the SQ. We study all the IQ, we study the EQ, we know our emotions and how they work. What about the Spirit of God and this amazing spiritual advantage we have by having God not out there somewhere we're looking for, but actually dwelling inside of us in the Holy Spirit as a teacher, a guide, a helper, and a comforter. What else do you need? Holy Spirit. So Paul speaking to his spiritual son says, he says, my son be strong, be, which means literally able to empower. Literally in the Greek, it basically says to be able to give dynamite. So be someone who's able to blow people up, not literally, but by the power of God coming upon him, it says, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, verse two, and the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who be able to teach others also. Do you understand that's covering four generations? So Paul to me, to my faithful servants, to others that they are faithful to. Four generations of faithfulness. Four generations of people that do not give up. I called out Carson Rattray at our 930 service. He's a 17-year-old young guy. And and he was on my mind uh, from the beginning of the service. So when I got out there at the end, I called him out and just prophesied over him. I, I prophesied a preferred future and a destiny. That he'll be strong. He'll stand firm. He will not fall back. And he's shaking his head like this the whole time. He's saying, yes, Lord, basically. And I said, you, over these next two decades... You're going to become known as somebody who's strong in the Lord. He's going to fit. You're at the bottom of the funnel going up. It's the opposite. Bottom of the funnel going up. It's narrow right now, but it's about to open up. And when it opens up, it's going to open up wide. And you're going to understand for the first time in your life. And I'm going on and on. And you can see it changing him. I, st- I stopped a guy in a restaurant who was serving our table during the conference. He was from Belize. And I just asked, he was getting, you know, some uh, plates up to take back to the kitchen meal was over. We paid him, tipped him, all that stuff, you know. I just said, hey, excuse me. I said, where are you from? He said, Belize. I said, you've got a good accent. How long have you been here? He said, 28 years. I said, you know what? Can I ask you something? He said, what's that? I said, are you a Jesus follower? He said, no, I, uh, you know, I try to, no. (laughs) Bottom line is, I said, oh, okay. And so then I don't have time. He's got plates in his hands. I don't want him to drop or whatever. So I only have a, a few seconds. What I do is I feed irrefutable truths, seeds. 
that in some right day in the future will begin to sprout forward in his life. And I said, well, here's all I know real quick. I said, there is a God. See, that's an irrefutable truth. There is a God. He loves you. That's irrefutable. And he sent Jesus Christ. If you'll receive him into your life, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change everything about your future, and it's all good. I mean, it's going to be an amazing future for you. So when that moment comes, so as I'm talking to him and I'm speaking to him, irrefutable truths, I'm not trying to convince him of something. I'm speaking and I'm going past his mind into his soul. And when I got done, he, he was emotional. He was emotional. He said, thank, thank you very much for those words. I mean, he didn't know really how to, he didn't know what that, what was that, you know, that just happened. I mean, that doesn't happen every day on his job, I'm sure, if ever in his whole life. But what happens is you're speaking that right now is a time we need to be strong in the Lord, speak truths into people, not be fearful, go in and stand out in a situation without being odd, without being weird, without being angry. Let Jesus Christ just begin to shine forth as light in the darkness. So Paul tells Timothy to be strong in the Lord. And he says, look at verse three. This is, if this isn't for this week, I don't know what is. Because half of you are going to be discouraged Wednesday and half of you are going to be excited. I just don't know which half's where. Therefore, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Man up, ladies. Everybody's called to be a good soldier. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself by putting presidential signs every five feet in their yard. No one engaged in spiritual warfare entangles himself with affairs this life. Let me be clear. I, it's an honor to be an American and I vote, but I am not. I refuse to get entangled in the depths of social media or whatever that is that goes on every day, which I hope would stop after the election, but I have the feeling it's not going to. There's going to be corruption somewhere. There's going to be scandals somewhere. There's going to be conspiracy somewhere. And we're going to yell about it for a couple months and maybe a couple years. I don't know. Unless we pray harder. So he says this. So, so it says, no one engaged, but, but that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So you vote, but you follow Jesus. And also, if anyone competes in athletics... He's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. A hardworking farmer must first uh, partake of his own crops. So there's a sense where you need to eat yourself what you're saying. You know, I've, I've been with people that said, well, I'll tell you one thing. If this happens, there's going to be war. It's going to be a civil war in America. And I, I just want to parse that down and go, is that really what you want? Is that, is that what you think is the solution? Are you willing for your son? Like if I said, okay, we can get what you want, like the person you want in office and the way the government's gonna run the way, but you're gonna have to sacrifice your son. Your son's gonna have to die for that to happen. Would you do that? Well, I don't think it's necessary that that happens, but would you do it though? No, I don't know that I would do that. Okay, then it's really not, this is not something. You, don't infuse this kind of a fear and rhetoric and hype into people's hearts. It's not good for America. It really isn't. And it's not good. And this is a Christian I'm talking to. It's not good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I think, look. <laughs> okay, I feel like saying, just calm down. Calm down. Jesus is in control. Do what you know to do. Convince, talk to people about what you believe. That's fine. Tell them who you're voting for. I don't care. But don't think that they're not a believer because they don't do what you do. 
That's not high enough on the pole to really count. That is a personal preference. That's not even a cultural moron, and it's it's absolutely not an absolute. So let's go on in Scripture here real quick. I'm almost done. Uh, Okay, now 2 Timothy chapter 3. Just turn over to the next page. Chapter 3, verse 1. I'll finish with this in my 18 seconds. Know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Does this sound appropriate this week? You know what the Greek word for perilous is? Oppressive, annoying, stressful. (laughs) That's this week. It says this, for men will be lovers of themselves. That's politics itself right there. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, like, you think he could have summed this up in a few words, but he, he's getting very specific here. Slanders without self-control, brutal, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness and denying, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. This is heavily in our culture right now. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. But in this, we do, we do not associate ourselves with people that are, that are creating anarchy in the hearts of people all around our neighborhoods and in our nation. So he's doing this contrast right here. He gets into more detail in verse 6. He says, for this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. This is written in the first century context. Always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth. We've never had more learning than there is now. And then it goes down to verse 10. Uh, Verse 8, they said, they resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be made manifest to all as theirs also was. And then it says in verse 10, I wish I could preach on this phrase right here. There's enough verses in the Bible to do it. But you. So all these things, unholy, unforgiving, all this horrible stuff going on. It says in verse 10, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions. He's doing the antithesis now. Afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ will suffer persecution. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue. You know, that word for continue is keep calm. You must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Let's all stand together if we could. It's horrible what's going on out there. It's terrible things happening. Ohio, this past week, there was a major sex trafficking, human trafficking bust here in the state where they freed over 100 people this past week. That's something? Yeah. These are the things we need to go after in prayer. We need to go after the, just the unmeasured amount of abortion 
that's in the country right now. Honestly, if you look at the statistics, uh, disfavoring African-American babies, like 40% of abortions. It's, it's like, a, it's like a, a destruction of an entire culture and community through abortion. Something you don't hear about on the news. But it's happening. So, so you take a stand. You lift your voice. In loving, caring ways, you plead your case before everyone. We want to see these kind of, we want sex trafficking to stop. Corruption in government, we want it to be, I can't, like I can't do much about it except elect somebody. So I have to transcend that by praying and saying, Lord, cause them to trip over their own stuff. Cause them to accidentally reveal what they're into. And then take it all out of there, Lord. Bring purity and holiness we're not, we're not voting for certain candidates right now because you look at their, their past and you, oh, I don't think I could vote for them because of what they've done. Do you know that if we pull back the curtain on the entire Congress and probably the Supreme Court and allowed their past to come out in front of us, we'd all collapse on the floor. We'd say, how in any way does this government continue in any way to do good things. I mean, there's good people there. I, I know that. But when you go into past, even good people have past. You look and say, I, I wouldn't vote for any one of them. But there they are. And they'll be there tomorrow. And they'll be there next year. So what do you do? This is not a physical battle. This is a warfare of spiritual levels. If you want to get angry, do it in prayer. If you want to get frustrated and lift your voice, do it in prayer. And I'm telling you, you're going to pull back the heavens and the rain of heaven is going to come down upon this country. So right now together, uh, Jay's going to come over. Come on over, Jay, and, and finish out here and see if there's anyone here that does not know Jesus. But right now, Lord, we just ask for wisdom this week. We pray ahead of time, Lord. We ask, Lord, for peace upon this election day, even though 100 million have already voted. Lord, we speak to, that there will not be that anything that's happening that's, that's conspiratorial or evil, Lord, I just pray it'll, it'll come forward all over the place. It'll come forward. It will not be able to be hidden. It will not be able to corrupt this election. We pray for an honest election, Lord. If it's Biden, then we're going to move on with this. We're still going to be here next Sunday. We're going to pray for the sick. We're going we're gonna to lead people to Jesus Christ. We're going to influence where we can. If it's President Trump, then it's President Trump. We don't know what we're about to face and we don't know who needs to be crafted uniquely for what we're about to face. We vote with our heart. We vote with praying. We believe we're moving in the spirit. But at the end of the day, Jesus is on the throne and his, the governments of this world are upon his shoulder. So Lord, we bless this week. I bless everyone here. Lord, I love all these people. I love the fact that they, they sit here for 40 minutes and listen to this stuff and I pray, Lord, that deep inside, Lord, that they'll understand it's all about love. We're just moving forward, trying to do our best. But we know where this all ends. It ends at the feet of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would protect our families. You would protect our, we pray for our state, Lord, that you would protect this state. It's been prophesied that it would be a state of refuge. Lord, maybe this is a moment where it becomes a state of refuge where others come into it. 
We bless this unique state and its, and its force in our government and its force in our elections. And we ask, Lord, your will be done. Not our will, but your will be done. Sovereign Lord who created the universe, you know who needs to be in this office. We pray, we always want our candidate to win, but Lord, I pray that you will put in this office who is supposed to be in this office and we might be at peace with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just thank the Lord for that. And then Jay's going to finish it.